Jeremiah chapter 2, just two verses of Scripture, verse 25 and 26. Again, welcome. Thank you for being here. It was so great to look back and see Sister Angie and her family with us this morning. I didn't realize she was here and just glad whenever they can come up and visit. Just so glad and glad to see Brother and Sister Smells are with us this morning. So I know they, they, they came all the way just to come to church, not to see that grandbaby or nothing, just, just come, to, come to go to church. No, we, we're so thankful for all of you. Love you all very much, and thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 25 26. Withhold thy foot from being unshod. Stop being wild. I'm going to give you the message. <laughs> Stop being wild. The Bible says we've been grafted into the vine. We broke out of a wild olive branch now. We've been grafted into the good. So the Lord is telling Israel, his people, quit being a wild donkey. <laughs> and thy throat withhold your throat from thirst. But you said, now God offered a solution. And they said, there is no hope. No for I have loved strangers, and after them will I go. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets. I want to preach for a little while this morning. I won't be long today, but I just feel like encouraging somebody today there's always hope there's always hope let's let's pray together this morning lord we love you so much thank you for your presence lord god that we have been privileged to stand in today and lord i just pray that you would open our hearts and touch our lives and change us with this word today encourage us lord to see and understand to believe and trust in the price that you have paid for us, Lord. And God, today, let these words find good ground. Lord, we want to be better. We want to be changed. And we want to be more like you. So, Father, help me for a little while to feed your sheep. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you believe there's hope, clap your hands to the Lord in this house today. If your neighbor ain't clapping, clap for them. And look at them and say, you ain't clapping, but there's hope. Because there's always hope. There's always hope. Praise God. You can be seated. God bless you. Sometimes things can be so difficult. They can seem so desperate. You can be in what they call dire straits. Not the band. You can be in a terrible place and feel like there's no hope. The Apostle Paul was on a ship, a journey to Rome, and in the middle of that journey, they fell into a great storm, and it didn't just last a day, but it lasted weeks. There were, it had been weeks since they had seen the sun, and he said, and they made this statement, the writer that was writing the story says, and all hope that we would be saved was lost. We've been tossed about so long. Things have gotten so bad. The storm is so rough. 
it's so bad. We've tried everything we could do. Nothing seems to be better, and it just, that's it. All hope is lost. But I want you to know today that there is always hope. A man by the name of George Weinberg said this, hope never abandons you, you abandon it. Because the Lord is where the anchor of hope is at. It's like an anchor to the soul, it says. And, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, but I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. God is faithful. He said, a nursing mother could forget her child, but I won't forget you. And we got a lot of new babies in this house. And, and moms, you know how close a connection you have to your child. But he said, you would forget your child before God will forget you. And so let me tell you something. Hope never abandons you because my hope is in God. I was praying about this message and yesterday in a meeting, uh, Sister Angela quoted a couple of different times, uh, soul, why are you cast down? Hope thou in God. And uh, I, I, just, I, was, I was just under my breath going, thank you, Lord, because I had that scripture jotted down and I knew the Lord was uh, saying, there's your uh, green light for the message tomorrow. Make sure you, because I, I, I want to make sure I got the right, the right word. I want you to know today, there's always hope. You know, look to your left or right and tell somebody there's always hope. Now, Jeremiah was writing to the people of God and the Lord was speaking saying, look, I, I want you to come under my care. You know, withhold your foot from being shod, your throat from thirst. Let me take care of you. Let me cover you. It's the same way Jesus spoke over his people when he wept over the city. He said, he said I would have gathered you as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. I, uh, you, I, you wouldn't let me do what I needed to do. But their reason is because immediately once this loving, great God, this Savior to Israel, once he offers them the solution, their immediate response is there is no hope. God, your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness uh, coming to someone like me because they say, we've loved strangers. We've been away from you. We've worshiped other gods. We've listened to other people. We've done things wrong. And, and so there's no hope, God. I, I know how bad I am. There's no hope that you could love me. There's no hope that you could fix me. There's no hope that you could help me. And so I'm just going to keep going the way I'm going. And the Lord said, it's because... They're just like a thief that is ashamed when he's found. That's the way House of Israel is. That's why they're, they're ashamed just like a thief when they're found. They're kings, those that are their rulers, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the ones that should be preaching more. All of them are, are ashamed because of what they've done. It was bad for Israel. And it may be bad what you're going through right now, but there's still hope. You may feel bad about what you've done, Oh, you've made a promise. God, here I come. I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve you. And then the next day tripped up and fell flat on your face. Maybe went right back into that thing God just brought you out of, just tempted again and failed the test. But let me tell you, it might be bad. You might feel bad. It might make you feel awful and sick to your stomach. But I want you to know God didn't stop loving you when you fell. 
God didn't stop loving you when you made a mistake. His promise, his love, his mercy is greater than the mess that you find yourself in. And I want you to know there is still hope for you today. There's always hope when it comes to God. We don't ever, honey, if we lose hope, if we walk away from our hope in God, we've got nothing. Friend, we're going to, the Bible said it's like an anchor. It keeps us in place. It keeps us in place in our ministry. It keeps us in place with our walk. It keeps us in place in everyday life. But if we let go of the anchor, we're going to be tossed about with every wind. We're going to be cast about the sea with every storm. And when the winds beat down hard enough, we'll be destroyed because we've let go of our hope. But there's hope in God. There's hope in God. As long as you have, we, we, you know, we say, well, as long as you got breath, there's hope. But I know the resurrection and the life. So it might be better for me to say, as long as there's a God, there's hope. As long as I have a Savior, there's hope. As long as Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords, and he always will be, there's still hope. Oh, it gets desperate sometimes. Oh, we get in a mess sometimes. We get cast down. We get discouraged. We get sick in our body. People hurt our feelings. Things start going haywire. And we just think, what's the use? What's the hope? But there's hope in God. God can still do anything he's ever done before. And God can still work in your life. Oh, I can't stand to see people lose hope. There's still hope. We have a merciful, loving, reaching, long-suffering God. There's hope. But there's something that wants to convince you that there is no hope, and that's shame. You know, it's been said, fear is a liar. Well, he has a twin brother, and that's shame. It's a liar, too. One of the first instances we see in Scripture is in the garden when Adam and Eve have taken of the fruit you know, when God creates, let me back up, when God created Adam and Eve, and he, he's got them there, he says he places them in the garden, it says, and they were naked, they were not ashamed. That's not a reason for people to walk around with your clothes off. They were clothed with the glory of God. But once they had sinned and transgressed against God, they tried to make aprons out of fig leaves and cover themselves and when God came looking for them, calling to them, they hid. When he finally found them, they said, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. They were ashamed to come out before God looking different than they had looked before. Now they knew their fault. They knew that they had messed up and their shame caused them to hide. Uh, that that shame began to lie to them and say, hide from God, get away from God, move back from God. But I'm telling you today, your only hope is in God. And guess what? God still came looking for them just like he did before. You think he didn't already know what they had done? You think he wasn't watching while they were doing it? He knew exactly what had happened. But he said, let me see how my children, my children will respond to me. 
when I come looking for them, are they going to run and hide? Are they going to try to uh, cover up and act like nothing's wrong? Or are they going to just let me love them and be merciful to them and take care of them? Israel says there's no hope because they are ashamed. We've done wrong. We've headed in the wrong direction. God can't possibly love me now. How could God still want me after I promised him time and time again, this time I'll get it right? Because God knows how many times you'll get it wrong. He already knew how many times you'd mess up. He already knew how many times you'd be tempted and when you'd fall flat on your face. But he said, I still love you. That's why the scripture tells us where sin does abound, the grace of God does that much more abound. He said, I know that you're going to make mistakes. Would he like you to walk upright and perfect? Absolutely. Would you like to walk upright and perfect? Absolutely. But we don't do that, do we? But do you want to stop serving God? But do you want God to stop loving you? Do you want to stop feeling his presence? Do you want to stop enjoying worship and, and preaching and fellowship with the saints of God? I don't. And so I run to him and I fall down on my face and I say, God, forgive me for my faults. Forgive me for my trespasses. Oh, I might be ashamed of what I've done, but shame, you can't hide from God. We just think we can. But the voice of God, the word of God will find you right where you are. And it'll talk to you. And it'll work on you. And it'll speak to your heart. And honey, what are you going to do? Are you going to shut the door on it? There's always hope. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. And I don't want to know. Sometimes people think pastors want to know every detail. We do not. That way I don't have to think about that the next time I see you. It's true. It's the truth. God already knows the details. But what I'm trying to get you to see today is that it doesn't matter what you've done. It's not that it's not important. It's not that you shouldn't be sorry for it or not repent over it. Yes, you should. It's not that you shouldn't even feel ashamed of what you've done. But what he did on the cross, the blood that washed you and me, the spirit that came to dwell inside of us, uh, friend, let me tell you, it is greater than that shame. And we've got to believe that when God forgives us, and he doesn't hold it against us anymore. I don't have to be uh, walking under him like this with, Lord, I can't even look at you. One writer, I believe it was in, maybe it was in Ezra, he said, uh, he was praying. He said, God, we're, we're, we blush and we're ashamed to even lift up our eyes unto you because they knew how wrong they had done. But God, uh, the scripture tells me, looking unto Jesus. I got to keep looking at him. Lay aside the weight. Lay aside the sin. You know what, uh, what shame is? It's sin. Because shame is a lack of faith in what God did for you. When you walk around in shame and you can't get rid of shame, it's like you think this is a part of my life and my identity forever and even the blood of Jesus can't change that. But the scripture says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things are passed away. And guess what? When the old things pass away, the shame goes with it. If you can't let go of the shame, you'll keep walking around condemned. You'll keep walking around like you're not good enough for anything. But honey, God made you like everybody else. 
When he fills us with the Holy Ghost, it's the same Holy Ghost. It's the great equalizer. It puts us all on the same page. It don't matter if you was a thief or a liar. It don't matter if, if you was a murderer or an adulterer. It don't matter. He said, this blood washes all sin away. And when I wash it away, it's gone. And if you sin and make a mistake, you can confess your faults to me and I'm faithful to forgive you. And I forgave you just like I did the first time you prayed. He completely forgives you. And so don't let sin and shame talk you out of the miracle of your new birth. Don't let sin and shame talk you out of your ministry and out of your walk with God and your fellowship with the saints. Don't let those things that you know, you know it's wrong, God knows it's wrong, anybody else would know it's wrong, so what? Lay it down at the altar, lay it at the feet of Jesus, ask him to forgive you, and then trust the process, trust that what God said he would do, he'll do. There is no profit in the things that we were ashamed of. Paul wrote that in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, 23, put that up there. He said, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof now you're ashamed? The end of those things are death. But now being made free, but now, somebody say right now, right now. I have been made free from sin and I have become a servant of God and now I have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't you know today that the price that Jesus paid was great enough to get you out of any sin? But now I am become a servant of God. Do you think servants don't ever misbehave and get in trouble? Yes, they do. But God doesn't fire us. He doesn't kick us out. But if we'll come to him humble, if we'll come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he said, I'm near to those that are of a contrite spirit. I'll, he'll just wrap those loving arms around you again when you come to him saying, God, I'm sorry. Again, let me remind you that, that the writer uh, he wrote to the church, it is not God's will that any perish. He wrote it to the church. He wrote it to the saints, to the Holy Ghost filled preachers, to the Holy Ghost filled choir and musicians, to the teachers, to the prophets and the apostles. He said, it's not the Lord's will that you perish, but that all come to repentance. If you ever think, well, now I've got a position and I don't have to repent, whoo, the joke's on you. It don't matter where we are from the pulpit to the door. It don't matter where you are in your organization. It doesn't matter what cards you hold. It doesn't matter how many times a week you fast. I'm telling you, if you mess up, you better know you got to die. You got to get down and, and die to that sin and repent. Paul said, I die daily. I'm always telling God I'm sorry for this and that. You said, Paul didn't have no problems. Have you read what he wrote? He said, I try to do good. I can't find out how to do it. I, the evil I don't want to do, I end up doing. But I know that it's just that sin inside my flesh. It's my body. There's a war in my members, and it's driving me crazy. But he said at the end, I fought a good fight. 
You may have a battle going on in your flesh, but you're able to fight a good fight because Jesus Christ gives you the victory because the blood of Jesus is still real and the Spirit of God is still real and the Holy Ghost is still real and you got power. After that, the Holy Ghost came upon you. It's still the blood of Jesus that washes whiter than snow. And so we're different. Yes, we are, Brother Nathaniel brought it out today. We are different. It doesn't mean uh, that we ought to walk around uh, all high and mighty and, and self-righteous. I've, I've said this many times. We may have something somebody doesn't have, but we don't have anything that they can't have. That's just how it is. And so we know uh, that God loves us and that God loves all people. And friend, I'm thankful today for what God has given me. And we are different. But here's the thing that makes us different is we don't give up when we fail. All that, the world, in the world, you, well, I tried that, but it didn't work out, so I don't do it no more. It's just like me and golf. Didn't work out. Sold my clubs, got rid of my golf shoes. Got rid, I got a few shirts because I like them. They're nice. But people, oh, you play golf? No, I just wear the shirt. It didn't work out, so I quit. I tried to learn to play the guitar when I was growing up. Didn't work out, so I quit. Tried to play drums a little bit. Listen, my son, the drummer, didn't get any of that drumming from me. He got it from her. My kids that sing, they got it from her. I don't sing. I don't play. I have to watch the snare so I can clap right. I'm telling you, I don't know. So I gave up on those things. But I know who I am in Jesus. <laughs> I know who I am in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Oh, there's always hope. Let me tell you, God can do anything for anybody. There ain't no hole so deep that he can't pull you out. There ain't no dark so dark that his light won't break through to it. There ain't nowhere you can go that his voice, that that word, it won't find you. It'll find you right where you're hiding. He knows what you've done. He knows you're ashamed of it. But don't let shame stop you from hearing what the voice of God's got to say. I don't want to be a wild donkey, a thirsty wild donkey. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. Jesus said, come to me for living water. He said, let me give you some living water. You know, the, the whole story of the woman at the well, the well, not the whale, the well, different story, Jonah. The woman at the well, it amazes me because because she's ready already at the beginning from the first word of God toward her. She didn't understand, give me the drink. How are you, being a Jew, talking to me a Samaritan? She's already putting up the wall, going to her defenses. She knows that she's had five husbands and she's shacking up with somebody. She knows it. She already knows that. She's there. She, that's why she's at the well in the middle of the day. So nobody else is around. She's going in the hot part of the day because she don't want to hear all the words, the whispers, or maybe somebody throwing rocks at her. Whatever it is, she's there. She's ashamed of who she is, what she's done. But Jesus, knowing all this, still says, if you just knew who it, the gift of God and who it was that said to you, give me drink, you would ask of me, and I would have given you living water. He later reveals to her, I know you've had five husbands. I know that you're ashamed of your past. 
but that doesn't disqualify you from what I've got for you. I want you to hear me today. You're going to make mistakes in your life. You're going to say things or do things that you wish you hadn't have done. You're going to wonder, how in the world can I be full of the Holy Ghost and have thought that or said that? Because you're fighting a fight with your flesh every day and every once in a while he gets a punch in. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I can go to him and I don't have to worry about him kicking me out or, or being ugly to me. He's going to love me. They've drug a woman before Jesus. They said, well, we caught her in the very act of adultery. Moses said, Stoner, what do you say? You know the story, he gets down and writes in the sand a little bit, does some things, and he finally says, look, you without sin cast the first stone. He's doodling in the ground again. He looks up again, nobody's standing there but the woman. He says, where are your accusers? And she said, no man has condemned me. And he said, neither do I condemn you. He could have threw the first rock because he was the one without sin. He said, ain't nobody worthy here to cast a stone but me. But I, I would rather give her another chance to get it right. Yes, yeah, she made, if, she, if she really did what y'all said, and you know, we don't even know, they could have made it all up. They was trying to trap him, but for whatever it was, he already knew about her. He said, I know who she can be if she just has a chance. And the Lord's telling somebody in this place today, don't throw your chance away because you're ashamed. You lay that stuff. You take God's word. You take it for what it says, that God will forgive, that God will wash, that the blood of Jesus does cleanse us from all sin, all sin. And so it'll get rid of those things. It'll get rid of that stuff. And, and remember that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And, and we're walking after the Spirit. You think, well, God, I hear you, Pastor, but I just still think you just don't know. Look at, let's look at Jeremiah 3 and 1. And I'm not going to be just a few more minutes. They say if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? Now he's talking to Israel, his people, his children. He brought them out of Egypt. He, he did all these miracles and signs. He said, but you, my children, you have played the harlot with many lovers. You, you, what, what did Israel say? We have loved strangers, and after them we will go. He said, I know what you've done. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Hope doesn't walk away from us. We walk away from hope. We're the ones that end up walking away. We've got to come out from under the shame or we're never going to realize what God can do for us. In Romans chapter 5, we know this very familiar scripture, Romans 5, uh, verses 8 through 10. He said, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than 
now. So we always read verse 8 and think about what we did back then. But now he says, now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're going to need him every day. We've got to have him every day. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Paul, who had these wars in his members, he said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I'll live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The only reason that Paul could ever sum up his life is I have finished my course, I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith. The only reason he could sum it up like that is because he trusted in the grace and mercy of God while he lived here, while he walked. He, hey, he dealt with the saints. He dealt with the churches. He was persecuted. He was beat. You think he didn't ever get a bad thought in his mind? You think he didn't ever want to hit back? He knew that he was going to have to go through it, but he knew that God was able. And I'm sure there were times, you know, he was a man that was consenting unto the death of Stephen. He was there persecuting the church before. I'm sure that that old nature of, of just wiping people out probably would begin to raise up. You gonna tell me that old nature had never snuck up on you? I told people before, I said, you better watch it. I said, I, I joke about it. But I said, man, I've had people say things that makes my mullet grow back. I'm like, mm, they don't know how blessed they are that the Lord saved me and changed me. I'm a new creature. <laughs> oh, because if I wasn't, you'd be looking for new teeth. We've got to go looking out. You, well, you know it, that old carnal redneck flesh go trying to rise up. You've got, you got to kill that stuff, man. You've got to kill that stuff to put it under you. Listen. If I've ever known anything about the Lord, it's this. He is merciful, he is kind, and he is long-suffering. He is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. He offers hope. There is always hope with God. Honey, come on to the platform this morning. I'm going to get ready to, to, to come in. I'm, I'm jumping around on my scriptures. Matthew, you'll just have to follow me, Bubba. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19. Love it so good. Listen to this. Listen, listen. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Now he's talking to his people. He's talking to anybody. This, this is for Israel. This is for those grafted in. This is for anybody in the world. Let us reason together. I'm going to talk to you. I'm not just going to talk at you. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to reason this thing out. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Just keep this one up there for a minute, brother. You ever heard anybody say, you need to listen to the voice of reason? Well, if anybody's ever, if any people in the world, this whole world needs to listen to the voice of reason. Because there are too many people who think I've just done too much wrong and there's no way God can fix this. There's no way. It's a shame and then it's the comparison. I can never be like they are. You start looking at people and you don't know what God brought them through. 
You sit there, you're like, boy, they just run every service. They just jump every service, and they don't ever have a problem. Because look at the way they shout and worship. A lot of them are worshiping with broken hearts. They're running with sickness in their body. They're shouting with trials and tests, breathing down their neck. They, they feel like they're walking in the midst of the fiery furnace. And you, you know, as, as much as it is for some, wrong for someone to say, oh, I'll walk in there, they'll be judging me. It's wrong for them to come in judging the people that are worshiping. Well, I could never be like them. They used to be you. We've all started out in the same place for all have sinned and come short of the glory. So when you see people worshiping in the glory, don't act like they were born in the glory. <laughs> they, come, they come up uh, uh, on that, on that uh, like the old song said, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Sister Ebhart, you say it, it's not roses all the way, but it's roses all along the way. It's, sometimes we go through some rough spots, but we need to listen to the voice of reason. He said, I know how bad it looks. Your sins are like scarlet, they, but I can make as opposite as it can be, I can make them white as snow. They can be red like crimson, but they will be white as wool. They'll be like wool. And then he, he went on to say, but here, here's where it is. If we are willing and obedient. Some people are just willing to let God forgive them. Listen, for, repentance takes faith. You can't just say, I repent, and it happens. You, you've got to have faith that what you're doing in repentance is part of God's word, and God asks us to repent, and you've got to believe in what repentance does. It, it is a decision for you to turn away from the things that are unlike God, but turn your life toward God and believe that God has granted repentance unto us. God granted repentance to us so that we could do that, so we would have a way to turn to Him. We've got to be willing and obedient. And He said, and if you are, you'll eat the good of the land. You won't be that wild, thirsty donkey no more. You'll be under my care. You'll have everything that you need. His death, burial, and resurrection lets me know that the worst this world can do to us does not diminish the hope that I will rise again. The psalmist recorded it as, you will not leave my soul in hell. You will not suffer me to see corruption. And so, his death, burial, and resurrection lets me know I've got hope that I can. this life can be completely destroyed, but God is able to raise it up. Don't let shame stop you from having hope. You can stand with me. In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son is found himself in desperate times. He's away from the father's house. He's starving. Now he's working, feeding the swine. And he said he would have 
love to have just filled his belly with the husk that they paved the swamp with. No man would give to him. He said, no, the pig is more important than you are. And it said, one day he comes to himself. But here's what shame will talk you into. In my father's house, even the servants have bread enough and to spare. So I'll go back and say, Father, I've sinned in your sight and no worthy, more worthy be called your son. Just let me be a servant. You don't get demoted in the body. When he starts home, I'm sure he rehearsed it many times down the road, but when he's a long way off, the father sees him, drops what he's doing, and runs and meets him. Says, he starts trying to go on with that nonsense. Father, I've sinned against you. It's that shame talking. I'm not worthy to be your son, but I'll just be a servant in your house. Bring me a robe. Bring me a ring. Bring me some shoes. And when you get back to the house, kill the fatted calf, for this is my son. Wait, he's still your son? Do you see him? He's emaciated. He's, 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 he's sick. He's dirty. He smells. You, you, we've heard all the rumors. We know how he wasted his living, you know, with riotous living and, and harlots and all kinds of things. We, we know all about what he's done. And, and you're going to tell me you're going to put the best robe on him? You're going to put those clean shoes on his feet? You're going to fall on him and weep on him and kiss his neck and just love him? Yep. Because when I get him home, he's going to forget the shame. Once he begins to taste and see that I have all I've got to offer, once he gets back to the house and I show him he's still my son, he's going to be nourished back to health. I'm not going to entrust his care to the servant's quarter. This is my son. And I don't know what you think you've done so bad that you've demoted yourself in the kingdom, but you're still his child. You're still his blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled child of God. He washed you in his blood. He filled you with his spirit. He called you out of darkness. He's broken chains, opened doors, closed doors, delivered you, helped you, healed you, fixed you, loved you, comforted you, wiped your tears. He's been there through it all. And I'm telling you today, don't you let that old liar shame keep you from having what God's got for you. He can restore you back to your sonship, to your daughter today. There's always hope. There's always hope. As I get ready to open these altars, I want to read a quote. Because now, it's up to us. Just like God spoke and provided the solution, it was still Israel's choice. So it's still our choice today to just carry on in sin and shame or walk in the newness of life. Nelson Mandela said this, 
May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fear. The fear is that God won't accept me. The fear is is that I've been too bad. The fear is, is that God can't work with this, but my hope says God will love me. God will forgive me. God will heal me. God will put me back together. God will comfort me and fix me. That's so I'm I'm speaking out of hope today. Uh, I'm going to make choices out of hope, not fear. I'm going to make choices that I hope that God's word really is true. Uh, my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in God. Uh, uh, I'm not going to hope in anything else, but I'm going to hope in God. So while they're playing and singing, the altars are open. Would you come and pray in this altar today?